Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Plus day, they've brought all of our childhood faves, and we have some showrunners for the upcoming MCU shows. What do Andy Serkis, Colin Farrell, and the Batman have in common? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Today on Collider Heroes number 331, we're digging into casting, we're digging into future announcements. We have somehow torn ourselves away from our TVs and somehow got Emma away from hers. Yeah, because I have to tell you guys, I'm very excited to be here on the show, but it's such a massive week for Star Wars yes! that I have basically just been consuming Star Wars content all week. Yeah. Uh, obviously, The Mandalorian dropped last night as soon as the Disney Plus app <laughs> launched, which was great because I thought I was going to have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and watch it. But I was very, very <laughs> lovely surprised to find that it was there when I was able to download the app circa 10 p.m. Uh, first on iOS and then on PlayStation 4, which were some of the last platforms to get it by the way see i gave up on them last night and so like i thought they weren't working at all so yeah, i did it this morning yep. and i still like i've seen the only i need to watch Mandalorian. yeah so uh, i was very delighted to find that and then uh also i'm i might be um playing a video game that has something to do with star wars that i can't quite share my thoughts on just oh, yet I, but what? Uh, what a mystery should we what a mystery for some thoughts in yeah the yeah so you know uh, some somewhere in the collider sphere uh you'll probably hear more about that I feel like this relates to some sort of Joker mythos in some way. So I feel like it does tie in. I don't know why I'd feel that way. But I don't know. Perhaps don't stay know. tuned to Collider content for this tie-in as Batman sits behind you. <laughs> so, but first, the rest of the Disney Plus stuff is coming at us. We got the official launch. It appears to be working, which just coming from a nerd background, it's it's mostly working, which yeah. I'm impressed by. Okay, I expected to not be able to actually consume the content until like... Thanksgiving weekend. A thousand percent. I thought, cause especially because Disney put up that tweet that said, we didn't anticipate how many of you guys would want to download this, which 
why Disney? Yeah, uh-huh. I feel like they expected like I don't know the numbers. I feel like they expected like ten million, and then it was like one hundred million. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was just they knew it was going to be crazy, but they didn't expect the world to go. Well, yeah. yes, please. Here's the yeah. thing: is like we're gamers, so we're used to the uh, you can't get on the first day. You just make a lot of jokes yes. about your load time. hundred percent. So that's where I'm coming from. Where I'm like, it's all kind of working already, and I'm confused. I I don't know if it's because we are kids from the '80s or like you know that we're used know. to waiting for stuff. But the internet's been so mad at things not working. And I was like, I thought it'd be like the Burning Man line where you yeah. just like wait and wait and you're like, just like, maybe I get in. And so, or, or like uh, the uh, like Comic Con Comic content yes. we're all existing in. I will say we are kind of gloating because we are U.S. residents. Uh, I'm That's happy to true. say they're throwing some dates out there for folks in other countries. We're starting to get those release dates that will be coming in the next couple of months. But, uh, so sorry. You guys if probably you are, have better health care. <laughs> if, if it helps, you're probably going to live longer than us and have better health care. So True. give and take. Give and take. Keep on living. We're going to keep on watching stuff and dying young. All right. And we did get several very relevant announcements this week, which I am thrilled about. So please feel free to jump on any of these. But we officially know, I believe, that Ms. Marvel is going to be showrun by Bisha K. Ali from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh-huh. Jessica Gao from Rick and Morty is running She-Hulk. And side note, Charles Soule jumped right in those comments and she went, I love your run, which was all I needed in the world. Uh, she also said this is a long-time dream, which is just uh, exactly what you want to hear. And Jeremy Slater from Umbrella Academy is going to be running Moon Knight. What do we think, y'all? Okay. Okay. Pickle Rick, very funny <laughs> yes. episode. And She-Hulk, very funny character. Broke the fourth wall before Deadpool. Yeah. I want some of those sensibilities. That was only a concern I had, was which... Because there's, there's sure. some She-Hulk that are more of, serious. Yeah. Yes. Like, there are... This, to me, was like, oh, we know what She-Hulk you want. Like, this, to me, was that that indicator. Uh, Umbrella Academy was one of my bigger surprises this year. Mm-hmm. So, I, I expected to like Umbrella Academy. I didn't expect to be enthralled and captivated and confused how they went in Gerard Way's brain and pulled it out and made a show. So, uh, Moon Knight has been, you know, since 2008, the character that I keep thinking we'll never get. So Umbrella Academy plus Moon Knight all in. I know the least about the Miss Marvel showrunner. So that excites me because that's the character I feel like I know the most. Like, yeah. I've never not read a Miss Marvel comic. Like, because her run's so limited, I've read yeah. every single one. So I'm really curious about the showrunner I don't know with the character I know really well. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the same boat of, like, Ms. Marvel, I would say, of the properties is probably the one that I'm most excited about because I have such a love um, for Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. But I agree that I, I know the least about that showrunner. Uh, the She-Hulk news is so, so exciting to me because, like you said, Koi, it's obviously going to be that more like funny, like tongue in cheek, but still, still like bad. I, I, I she's don't know. She's great. She's always a boss. <laughs> yeah, and no matter what. Lands on like legal dramedy. Yeah, because like, I, I, I would be surprised if they go like full. Like I, I don't expect them to go full Rick and Morty with this. Um, I do expect there to be a lot of humor, mm-hmm. but because it's still part of the MCU, I'd like to see it combine sort of. Some of these, like, little of each right. takes. Like, I could see a really out there animated She-Hulk that is super joke, 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 joke. Um, I think that while her series should be funny, I hope they're going to do, like, action and heart. And that wouldn't surprise me if, like, just because you did one thing doesn't mean you can't do a, a next-door thing. So yeah. I'm still hoping for that. The but. Daredevil show was very funny, but it's <laughs> one of the was. darkest shows, sure. period. And I think it's going to land somewhere between Daredevil and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think I, think I mean that literally sounds like exactly what I want. Perfect television. Like I, I want Amy Sherman Palladino writing this show. Like that's what I want out of this content. Because I feel like Mrs. Maisel almost breaks the fourth wall just in its acknowledgement of itself. Like it yes. doesn't go like 
but it practically no, does. No, 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 but it's a very self-aware show. It knows that it's this very heightened dialogue and nobody talks like that. Right. And yeah. There the is. moments of like her getting dressed where it's like, we know she's watching us in the mirror, watch how ridiculous this is. percent, yeah. And I feel a, like that's how you land She-Hulk. Yeah, there's a theatricality to right. it that works really, really well. And I think something like She-Hulk lends itself to something that is that kind of heightened, stylized piece. Yeah. Yeah. And Moon Knight, guys. Uh, I know that is the character that is the most, not obvious cinematically, but like it just hasn't, it kept not happening. Like I feel yeah. like every announcement were like, this is the Moon Knight time. Can, can so, I tell you that I'm, I'm now familiar with Moon Knight, but it took me a while to take that character seriously just from the <laughs> point of view of the name is Moon Knight. And so all I could think of was the Moonlight Knight from the second <laughs> season of Sailor Moon. Yeah. Sure. What's slightly racially insensitive uh, uh, astral projection of like tuxedo mask soul? And, and the character doesn't help you don't know him because he's like, I pray to Egyptian gods and think I am one sometimes. Also, I'm right. a French guy. Also, I'm an actor. I was like, it's a very dense, weird There's character. There's a lot. There's so a lot if going you're on new there. to him, I'm sorry. And like, if you're new to him, welcome. But there's going to be a lot of times you just don't know what your life is, and that's kind of Moon Knight. This make an amazing set. These three characters make an amazing set because they all have very different like. Kamala Khan has five years of incredibly consistent history. Yes. Like, it, we all have strong opinions on exactly what she should feel like and what she shouldn't feel like. She sort of came out of the gate, became an instant superstar because it was rad. Good job, Jula Wilson and Sana Aminat and everybody, Adrian Alfano, everyone who contributed there. Uh, but She-Hulk has had several very striking versions that, like, you can sort of you pick and choose, like, do we want this one or this one? And Moon Knight has had a hundred different versions. And, and I and, feel like Moon Knight doesn't have the one run everyone likes. Like, now, Moon Knight has yeah. so many different flavors. Everyone will agree that the 80s run is an important one for Moon Knight, but not everyone's like, it, That's it, there's it. no That's like, the and that one, me. any deviation from that is unacceptable. A lot of people have faves among those others, like you're saying. It's yeah. spread out. Yeah. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, I almost feel like Moon Knight is set up for success because there are so many different iterations that you can kind of draw on to create the story. Which is also the character, which is beautiful. Yeah. Like when Batman has a run that feels like when Frank Miller writes Batman versus Tom sure. King, those feel like different characters sometimes. Moon Knight is different characters. <laughs> so right. it really works that you've got different writers that have different strong runs. And I think that's one of the strengths of the character is I would love if this has a different set of writers every season. I would love if it feels, because <laughs> then at the end, that's the guy. So I yeah. want this to feel like, I would love if different episodes have different protagonists and then you find out they're one person. I would love if they did some Wachowski stuff here. I yeah, would love if sure. they play around with concept of like self-identity and play around with concepts of like what you perceive yourself as versus what you self-actualize as. Like this this can go so highbrow or so lowbrow because you could also just make him a, a poor man's Batman. They won't. But there's so many levels <laughs> you can do with this. The guy wears white so you see him coming. Play with it. So excited. So excited. And good luck to the people who need to film a live action series with someone in a white outfit. You got this. If oh, they do boy. that Ella suit, like if they do like that beautiful white suit with the mat, like I'm just so excited. Legends Everything. of Tomorrow does it, so I guess it's technically possible. Yeah. But uh, so we did also, we kind of knew this, but it's nice to have official statements on the record that uh, all three <laughs> of these characters apparently will be coming to big screens near you eventually. What do we think of this new round of promises that the things connect for real this time? Except oh, they probably yes. do. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's interesting to me because, you know, obviously this is something that there's a lot of conversation in Star Wars fandom going on around this because now, because previously, 
you didn't have to have seen the TV shows to know what was going on in the movies. Now, they did a good job of awarding you with little Easter eggs and things if you were into the series, but it feels like, based on some of the statements that have been coming out of Marvel, that they're gonna, there's going to be bigger tie-ins than just Easter eggs, mm-hmm. which is exciting for sure, but you do sometimes wonder, like, treading that line of, is it going to alienate people right. if they feel like, oh, She-Hulk is featured heavily in this Doctor Strange movie or, or whatever, and they're like, I don't really get it. But I think Marvel is smart, and they'll find a way to incorporate those characters that is satisfying to the people that are putting in the the extra effort, if you will, consuming all of the content, but doesn't necessarily exclude those who are not so much. I feel like it's like it's like comics, where yeah. you don't read every run. You're not going to get that totally. character popping up at Avengers as much, but... I don't want every single movie to be bogged down by a 20-minute origin when I can have a six-hour origin. When I, I want these to be long form. Yeah. So I think everything he says just makes it more like comics, makes it make more sense. And then my film-goer side, I think we need to let the concept of movie versus TV fade. I want to see everything in the big I, screen. Yeah. I would love that, but I know it's not a reality anymore. See, I feel like I'm the opposite of, like, I love television. I love, <laughs> I do, I love TV. But we both want that to fade. Like, uh, yeah. The two-hour runtime, or the 90-minute to two-hour runtime is outdated. The idea of a show being 23 episodes or whatever is outdated. What we're doing with, like, this internet of concept is we're playing with what format even is yeah like i love that watchman is nine hours and that's it mm-hmm. and that is everything but i also love that irishman is three plus yeah. like it's not there's no rules we exactly. made it up yeah there like there was a lot of conversation around the mandalorian because i the runtime's like 38 minutes for the first episode and people are like that's not long enough for a drama and it's like but it doesn't it doesn't matter like there's no commercial breaks there's no network saying this is how long your show has to be this is how short your show has to be yeah. with the way content is being distributed now, we can mess around with that. And I want creators to feel not bogged down to hitting a mark. I don't want them to feel like they have to chop stuff away. I also don't want them to be like, what if we hold on that sand dune for 40 more seconds? Like, I don't want that content. I am fascinated by these discussions because the same discussions are taking place in comics Mm -hmm. uh, about sort of writing for the trade or releasing things as graphic novels or whether periodicals are going to continue. And then we're fighting it out in TV where they're like, maybe we'll go back to having weekly installments. Uh, Maybe there's a reason we would... Like, we're having all the same interesting explorations in these different things. And I'm sort of in the middle camp of, like, (laughs) I do see the way that uh, the benefits of comics being interconnected also pose problems for comics because those rewards of an interconnected universe come with what can feel like a burden or a barrier to people. That's a problem we have not solved in 30 years of trying in comics, and I don't think we're going to magically solve it in movies, but I am down because those enhanced rewards that we get out of that as was proven by the Infinity Saga, are really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for Uh, sure. do I think that there will not, like, there's a trade-off for sure. I'm with you, Emma, where I think I trust these people to find a good trade-off, but it absolutely is going to be an ongoing discussion. There are going to be people being like, I'm disappointed that I can't find out who Ms. Marvel is by watching the movies. I need to pay for an extra subscription service. Uh, It's going to, I'd like to think it's going to be best of both worlds, but we'll have to see. I, I, I personally, as an optimist, think that no matter what, they're going to give a little bit of a, like, this is who she is, here's a blip, but they just won't get the full experience of the, the runtime, just like comics do. I don't, I, I don't think that they're going to leave us alienated in this first introduction to the characters, because that would disrespect the movie itself. So I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like we're just winning, which is good. <laughs> 
So while we wait, we can entertain ourselves with a lot of great stuff. And one of those cool format experiments that they're trying right now, we've been talking a lot about, is the all-ages graphic novels that DC is making. So consistently good. So consistently good and all different. And we got to sit down with Kirk Scroggs, who did The Secret Diary of Swamp Kid. And you should watch this right now. Now, I love the creativity aspect. We were talking right before air about uh, being your own style of artist and leaning into your own work. How did you develop this specific, like, it's really fun. I love the comedic element of your art and the writing. How did you develop that style over time? It's basically just the way I've drawn since kindergarten. Just, like, (laughs) monsters first and then just crazy caricatures. And I love self-deprecating humor. That's just how I operate. So it's pretty much, like I was telling you, it took me probably 20, 30 years to realize that that is my style. Yeah. Because I was always, like, looking at, like, Jim Lee's art or any of these great comic book artists. and like, God, why can't I do that? And then, you know, someone sort of told me, he's like, you do, you do this, you do what you do. And it's silly and goofy and it's imperfect. So I just sort of embraced that as my style. And with Swamp Kid, I'm hoping, uh, especially with the format where it looks like it's drawn with pencils and pens and on notebook paper, I'm hoping kids will look at it and be inspired to uh, maybe just create their own stories with whatever they have on hand. Like, tell their own stories, write their own journal, draw lots of monsters. That's what I'm shooting for. That was such a fun conversation. The Secret Spiral of Swamp Kid is out now. Get it for a monster lover near you or for yourself. I love that they're making, like, the creepy stuff for kids. In, yeah. Because in, like, kids love monsters. And kids, there should be more stuff. Love squishy stuff. Kids love squishy, and the book feels like a squishy dream. Like, the whole book is like, yeah, this thing's gross. Look over there. It's all on a notebook paper, and he's doodling in the margins. I, and I gotta read this. Do you yeah, remember those uh, those those uh, cards that were like the scratch and sniff? They were like the gross things. Like you'd cl- Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it felt like, like if I was that kid now with this book, the dream. Totally. It's that world, and I it works it. out perfect. Love so it. in addition to going back and snatching up Swamp Kid, you should check out some new books out this week on this week's poll list. Starting with, oh, okay, thank God I have uh, Disney Plus to comfort me because I have to live without my unbeatable Squirrel Girl. The finale issue is this week, issue 50. Uh... And, yeah, we'll get into it. We also have a most anticipated Far Sector number 1, a Green Lantern book drawn by Jamal Campbell, one of my favorite artists working right now. And written by N.K. Jemison. Uh, this week is the prologue to the thing we are all going to be talking about. It doesn't officially kick off yet, but you don't want to miss this. Superman 17. And then we have Batman's Grave number 2, one of my favorite duos it's separate and now together. I'd never seen them work together. I love Warren Ellis. I love Brian Hitch. This book is dark, depraved, and lovely. And a new trade paperback edition of The Complete Vision hitting this week uh, to round out our pull list. Is there anything from that list that jumps out at you? I mean, Squirrel Girl. <laughs> it's just been such a good series. Yeah. We got a good long run. A total of 58 issues, yeah. an original graphic novel. Over many years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Written the entire time by genius Ryan North, uh, who is too funny for a human, and hopefully... Yeah, I think that's what it is about that Squirrel Girl run, is it just has so much heart and humor to it, and yeah, 
an absolutely singular voice. Yeah. Like, you can't describe it. You have to just check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the art was by Eric Henderson. Uh, Derek Charm has stepped in for this last chunk of the run, but Erica came back to do a cover for the final issue. Yeah. It's a really special, special run yeah. uh, that's wrapping up this week. And you also might have a few years until the WandaVision show, but I'm just suggesting this trade paperback for no reason whatsoever. I just think maybe you should read it before the show comes out. <laughs> so we'll get into the rest of that on Giant Size, but... First, welcome to Gotham, probably... This cast. Alfred... Alfred Circus. I'm just... Alfred. his name. Andy Circus. Andy Colin Pennyworth. Farrell, and brand newcomer, unless you are a theater dork, I believe, uh, Jamie Lawson, coming to the, the cast of Matt Reeves' The Batman. Can I say, before we even go individually, this cast as a whole, and the idea of having a cast this strong that you can give someone straight out of Juilliard... This kind of opportunity is why I love movies. Like, not comic movies, not any certain genre thing. Movies. We're giving someone out of Juilliard, who's clearly talented because they went to frickin' Juilliard, the chance to be in a Batman movie and to skip, right? Like, that's like the, skipping she, no, varsity. That's like, yeah, it's like skipping all of the steps. That's so great. I'm it's so a, happy for this person. Guys, I don't know. It's also a throwback because I believe, if I read correctly, she is currently starring in When the Rainbow is Enough, which is an abbreviation of a longer title, but one of the all-time heavyweight plays. Good for her. Uh, yeah. And, like, starred as Hamlet while still in school in Juilliard. So it's Great. just going back to the get him out of theater days, which worked for, again, Tom Holland, as I, I like yes. to remind people. Uh, so very, very excited about that. This Matt Reeves bat. Listen, uh, there's <laughs> been a lot of Batman movies. And I'm such a huge fan of those Tim Burton films because, you know, they were they were so formative to my childhood. Yeah. Like, I... I remember going to see Batman Returns in theaters in 1992 and it was a big deal and I'd <laughs> already been watching the Adam West show so like there's a lot of there's a lot of Batman love and I would have thought that I had Batman fatigue <laughs> until they started announcing the freaking casting for this movie <laughs> it is mostly so unexpected but so correct you know what I mean <laughs> it's so correct that I'm going to own this on air we didn't know Andy Serkis was British what's <laughs> So we were we had just oh gotten the news, God, and I'm gonna own this amazing. publicly. We had just gotten the news, and a minute later, we're talking about it, and they were like, "I don't even know if Andy's." We, like, we, we had said, a shared hallucination where great. we were like, "Where is he even from?" <laughs> so, this is a weird pick, and then everyone on Twitter was like, I mean, "Are you to be fair?" Insane? Most of us really came to know him as Gollum. He's so from he's Middle, Middle Earth, Earth. Yeah. Yeah. which is very far from Britain, I assume. <laughs> so it was really funny last week when everyone was like, he's from, he's like, uh, people sending British. us circles of where he's from. Thank you. Um, thank you, Internet. We are apologizing <laughs> to Britain. Do that, but we're very sorry. Yes. Moments before, literally, we, we did this show, it broke while we were filming, then ran in there to yell about it. Didn't, didn't do the wiki. <laughs> uh, but this cast, to me, is a bunch of incredible actors playing slightly against type, which is my exact thing. Uh, I yes. love Robert Pattinson in The Rover and in Good Time and in Lighthouse. Like, he's incredible, but I feel like he hasn't gotten to be both a character actor and be in a blockbuster because everyone sees him as Edward Cullen. Cullen. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone sees him as a sparkly vampire. I don't because I see him as this indie actor. Now I can see all of those tools he's built up. He is Bruce Wayne. The man 
hates dealing with Twilight fans. That's his superhero origin story. And now we're going to get to see that as Bruce Wayne. Like, I feel like the mask Robert Pattinson wears in public is the same mask Bruce Wayne wears. Like, I feel like he has to act like a certain way. And inside, he's just like, I want to be crazy and dress like a bat. So I can't wait. Like Robert Pattinson is secretly out there fighting crime. Oh, 100%. I love uh, it. But I'm then, in. And at the same time, Colin Farrell is 100%. He's got Brad Pittitis, where he's a character actor trapped in a handsome yes, body. Yes. He's too handsome. So, so accurate. Yeah, because I totally agree. Anytime you see Colin Farrell do something that is a little more charactery, he's so good. And he ha- and he's so funny. Like he this is there are people that are, I guess outrage isn't the right word, but they just think that this is not the correct casting for for the penguin mm. but like i'm telling you guys it's going to be great so i i'm in but we talked a bit about this on the podcast last week my yeah. my what part of my initial reaction was based on the idea that uh i don't know what version of the penguin i would put across but one thing that often crops up with that character is that there's something about his physical appearance that makes people underestimate him or disrespect right. him. Right. Like being too handsome? Like being too <laughs> handsome! <laughs> that was the, like, I don't know how you play that with Colin it's, Farrell. You know what it is? It's a little bit, it, it's interesting because it, it, all, it all dates back to the very first superhero ever, the Scarlet Pimpernel, created by a woman, by Woo! the way, the Baroness Dorsey, uh, which the whole idea was the the secret identity. Right. And so you have Percy, who is the, the Scarlet Pimpernel putting on this very like foppish, flamboyant sort of personality so that people underestimate him and no one thinks he could ever be the Scarlet Pimpernel. That's exactly what we get with Bruce Wayne and that is certainly something we could see with a Colin Farrell the penguin. Oh, that you're bringing this up. I'm, I have a whole hobby horse about that. I made a video about this as like roots of superheroes. Yeah. But I wouldn't have occurred to me for Penguin. Yeah. And they may very well put him in, in some sort of suit that makes him Who grotesque. Knows? But also... As someone that loves casting that ties into people, as per my Robert Pattinson as Batman rant, I think Colin Farrell is so underestimated in the way that Penguin is underestimated. I sure. think Colin Farrell, one, Colin Farrell, like, is the sweetest, kindest, one of the best of us. Like, he's just a good dude. And he does so much for charity and does so much for people that are disabled. He helps society. Yeah. And no one ever talks about that because he's too handsome. So I think <laughs> that Colin Farrell as the Penguin, I'm really excited to see him get to play something that he'd never normally get to play. Yeah. I'm so excited. Like, post lobster post in Bruges post yeah. like he's done so many roles but they're once again like Pattinson they're this big and you now know, he gets to and that's exactly what is so appealing to me about all of the casting in this Matt Reeves Batman film is it's so many actors that like you say I really believe are capable of this mm-hmm. and they just need somebody to give them a chance and this is their chance and they're going to be great and, and like apparently Reeves- Andy Serkis is using this chance to be a British guy and reveal a side of the <laughs> Marie's playing the yes, straight man because amazing. he's always an ape or Smeagol or or you know claw. Right, like, I like it's the so, so surprising. I love this. So uh, the subverting of expectations is him being British and being Alfred because we're like he can't do something so normal. So we got to talk about Jamie Lawson. Yes. Oh yeah. Right on guessing time. Who do we think she's playing? Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Okay. That's what so, everybody's saying. It's a really reasonable. Possibility. Uh, I just remembered <laughs> that freaking uh, Zoe Kravitz is in this movie. Yeah. Who's like you guys? Anytime there's some sort of casting news about some actor in a movie, I literally am basically like, well, I mean, I, okay, but I'd really like to see Zoe Kravitz. So the fact that she's in this movie, I'm just so excited about. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which also threw the roof about. I love Jeffrey Wright. Um, so now, yeah, so there's definitely a good the, chance, it but seems who knows? like a great bet. Uh, Someone said her name was Bella, and she okay, was, yeah. Okay, let's walk through what okay. we do and don't know. 
We officially know basically nothing, but there was an <laughs> io9 article uh, reporting down that she had been brought in to play a character with a description of a grassroots political candidate mm-hmm. uh, mm. whose name apparently was Bella. Now, a few possibilities mm. exist. A, that's a code name. Uh, because, you know, it's a Twilight joke and that's hilarious. Uh, That is hilarious. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Oh, I didn't either. That's real good. That's really good. Is that not where your brain's... No. Look, it's, there's a... That is, that's good. It could be a a temporary code name. It could be a real character name. Uh, it could be one of those ways to hide the casting. (laughs) There is, uh, as many people have pointed out, Barbara Gordon was briefly a senator, I want to say, at one point. Um, Yes. Some sort of political figure. Congressperson, maybe? Uh, there's a possibility you could combine those stories. There's a possibility this is a genuinely new character yeah. for the movie, the True. way Rachel Dawes was a new character for a Batman totally. movie. Totally. Uh, there, and, you know, we, we at some point we need the mystery in this movie, so it's probably going to involve some new characters. Now, my favorite completely wild theory was from Rosie Knight, who wrote an article over at Nerdist digging into <laughs> possibilities. Uh, and she's just a genius and knows a bunch of stuff. So here's the probably not, but how amazing would it be? Did you read We Are Robin a few years ago? Uh, Duke Thomas was one of the main characters. No. It was a bunch of kids in Gotham getting together and like forming sort of a gang of Robins. Okay, okay. There's a character in it not named Bella, but named Izzy, as in Isabella. Uh, so this is the source if you've seen this nurse going around of like could she be a robin essentially an unexpected robin in the form of izzy aka isabella my first thought was stephanie brown when her name was even said when i saw a picture of her i was like she did a great stephanie brown i like that because it combines my like maybe with an actual plausible one yeah Uh, i really like that theory good job rosie rosie good good pick good pick I like that. She has, like, two more, like, crackpot theories in the article, which are just real fun. But, like, tinfoil hat theories are shout my, out to that wonderful. Yeah, that's my a jam. good one. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent tinfoil hat theory. Because it's so, like, out there that maybe, just maybe. And that's how you keep a code name under wraps. It's perfect. I mean, so I'm, I'm curious. I guess right now my money's on either Barbara Gordon or, mm-hmm. like, new character. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we can wait and find out whether this long-planned Christina Hodson Baccaro movie is happening. That might be something in consideration here. Truth. Are they planning it to connect are they not do they care who knows my money's on new character with a side of like i could see i i could see barbara gordon but my money's on new character i also don't want to know every major member of the cast board gets like we're so far away i'd like to have some i mean listen there's a dune movie coming out next year we still don't know who's playing fade rautha and it's really driving me crazy but we do know that cast is one of the best ever assembled 100 percent. it's like 100%. it's perfect casts, yeah. yeah yeah dune like you look at that cast list and you're like did they just go like i want only talent and yes. no one below an a plus yeah. like it's just absurd it's- which I'm not mad at. No, like, we're living no. in such a specific age where there's so much content that they have the ability to can, get this cast for back. Can I tell you, I didn't even need that cast. They, they could have <laughs> just said to me, Dune. Yeah. And why am I blanking on the director's name? Didn't even, even live. Yeah. Uh, I was like, French guy. He directed Blade Runner 2049. And literally, when I was watching Blade Runner 2049, I went, man... I could watch nine hours of this. Also, it'd be really great if Denis Villeneuve did Dune. And here we are. Thank you for calling Zoe Kravitz. Thank you for summoning yes. the Dune movie into existence. Yeah, you're Use welcome. your powers for good, <laughs> please. Welcome. He gave us prisoners uh, as <laughs> well, which is, oh my God. But this is not Denis Villeneuve show. It is the Batman episode. So I got to say, 
This is I had don't have Batman fatigue personally. Okay. Uh, I could have a new Batman movie every year because to great. me he's like he's such a Hamlet. He's such a to me it's a great opportunity since he's the eyeline of the DC universe to have actors play him differently and have directors put their eyes on him. Mm-hmm. But Matt Reeves assembling this cast, this is now maybe my most anticipated DC property since, like I said in the beginning of the show, Dark Knight. Because of this, like we've we've there's no weak link. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's a golden age. And this is, we still have a Birds of Prey movie and a Wonder Woman movie oh, coming yes. literally next year. I'm so excited for both of those movies. Birds of Prey looks so good. But to get there, we have to somehow unglue ourselves from our Disney Pluses and from our very potentially exciting upcoming gaming experiences. Uh, and where can the people keep up with you in the meantime, Emma Fife? I am all over the internet, wherever Emma Fife's are sold, at Emma Fife. <laughs> uh, also, you can catch me here on Thursdays hosting Collider Jedi Council, where we talk about all yeah! things Star Wars. <laughs> and until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you want that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.